What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Guardians of the Future. I know this is the first podcast we've had uh, in quite some time. Uh, it's been a little bit of a while, and uh, I'll kind of get into why. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that I uh, currently am so. There's some new graphics, uh, all that fun stuff. So if you're not watching on YouTube, um, the Guardians of the Future podcast, YouTube-wise, is just going to be on my personal channel, Justin Latta which uh, you can just find me at on YouTube at Justin Ladder or JL underscore baseball, same as Twitter. Um, if you're listening on the audio app, that's cool too. Let me know where you listen. Um, so you're used to getting this podcast uh, you know, about every Monday uh, during the regular season for minor league baseball. And you used to get it from Guardians Baseball Insider. If you haven't checked Twitter, which and I don't blame you, Twitter is kind of a weird place these days and who knows where it's going. Um Guardians Baseball Insider is uh, no longer a thing. Um, It still exists. The site's still there. The Twitter account's still there. But uh, we made the decision back in uh, early December to shut things down. Um, So I'll kind of get into that real quick, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the episode and how things are going to go from here on out. So I'm I'm retaining uh, the Guardians of the Future podcast, formerly Smoke Signals, for some of you who have been listening for a long time. I'm retaining that feed, uh, so Guardians of the Future will go on. It's going to look a little different if I if you haven't heard yet. But, um, yeah, so earlier in 2022, we had a couple guys leave. Uh, Joe Koblitz, a good friend of mine, and you might know him from Burning River Baseball, and um, was with Guardians Baseball Insider for a couple of years, our Arizona uh, dispatch guy. Uh, he started a new job back in early in the season in 2022 and found it difficult to continue uh making games and writing so he kind of stepped away and i really haven't seen him on twitter so if anybody talks to joe and knows him i haven't really talked to him but if anybody does i hope he's well and uh i don't tell him i miss him he he brought a lot of levity to the podcast and a lot of different uh ideas as a writer i do miss miss joe quite a bit being involved in baseball hopefully he'll have time for that again because uh i would enjoy working with joe again or talking to him again it's been quite a while but uh the other thing was and i'll you know if you know who willie hood is my normal podcast partner most times um Another guy late in 2022 decided to take a step back. He's still writing. We're still friends. We're still going to do stuff together. Podcasts. Uh, he's writing still, um, but you know he's got a great wife and great kids, and decided that he needed to focus more on that. And the the whole nuts and bolts of it is, I I never replaced Joe. I couldn't, and then we couldn't replace Willie. Obviously, I didn't want to. And then really, um, I would have had to recruit a whole new cast of college writers or whoever again to cover, you know, Columbus, Akron, Lake County with me. We had a writer in Lynchburg last year, thankfully, which was great, but I would have had to go out and do some college recruiting and find some writers once again this year. And honestly, I didn't have it in me to go out and replace <clears throat> Willie and Joe, which I never did. And then a bunch of college writers. I think I figured out sometime last summer that I uh, was having a hard time keeping up editing and posting stuff and, and trying to stay active on it all on the site and do the normally scheduled stuff on guardians baseball insider in my own writing. So I think my own writing suffered. And I think that um, I kind of lost some of that desire to write. I still like to write, but I think I just lost the energy to write uh, in between editing. So I don't mind editing. And I, you know, there's a lot of writers who have come through the site when I've been there who have gone on to great things and I'm so proud of them and happy to have worked for them. Uh, if they're listening, um, but I, it's just hard for me to do all those things. I have a full-time job. And um, if you haven't heard, I'm also co-hosting Lockdown Guardians with Jeff Ellis, former IBI guy. You can listen to me there five days a week. Um, starting in January, we did three, doing three days a week in the month of January, uh, just January, February, we'll do five days a week. But um, 
for now. So you can hear most Night Guardians opinions over there at the Daily Podcast. I'm still going to be writing at uh, – it's going to be a Substack next year in Cleveland. It's I'm already out there. Uh, I'll include the link in the show description for audio and video, uh, whichever way you want. If you haven't subscribed yet, it will be great. It's free. Um, there is like a thing on there that asks for like if you want to contribute money to the site or the, the newsletter, you can – uh, it forces you to go into tiers, like if you're going to set that, that people have to go like a year, a month, uh, whatever it is. I don't know. But uh, you don't have to contribute anything if you don't want to. Some people have, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm not really doing it for money. I'm doing it as a place to keep writing. And um, some normal Guardians, baseball insider writers that you might know are, are joining me there. Willie's going to write there. Um, he already has a few pieces out before I even wrote anything, honestly. Um, Arthur Kinney, who's our around the farm and uh, roster tracking guru who's joining me. And then uh, Tyler Stotsky, who's covered the captains for a long time. He actually moved to Columbus. He's going to cover the Columbus Clippers for the site. Uh, Matthew Canal, who lives in uh, Indiana, is going to continue to cover uh, some things out there. He's still writing. Uh, Stacey Hannon in Columbus, you know, is going to chip in and contribute. Um so we'll see. There might be other people who who join as well. So you'll still you'll see more people on the website than me. Uh, be some other people you're familiar with if you listen to the podcast and read the site. So it's nextyearcleveland.substack.com, but I'll include the link in the show bios. So yeah, Guardians Baseball Insider. Uh, the site will will still exist. There's no new writing on it. There's no way to subscribe to anything. Um, the stuff just exists. So um, I can still access it in the back end if anybody wants to read anything and I might grab some stuff off there. Who knows? I'll continue to reference it. The Twitter account still has videos on it that I'm going to reference as well. But yeah, so we're moving on. Uh, I'll keep Guardians of the Future podcast. I don't know if it's going to be what it used to be. You know, I won't have Willie Hood with me every week. I know he might come on during draft season. He might join me for a random episode here and there. But um, for the most part, it's really just going to be me uh, as a solo host. I do have some plans to, to add some other people. So you know, what we did during the regular season when I didn't have Willie on was I would have um, whoever was covering things in Columbus. You know, we had Stacy on last year. And we had uh, Megan, who was one of our interns last year, who did a great job. We had her on. We had Josiah and Lynchburg on a week. We had John Elrod on for an episode last year uh, who was covering Akron for us. Um, you know, we had the guys in Lake County uh, with me. So we had we had somebody every everything but Arizona last year. So, um with Matt covering some stuff in Indiana um, who will have maybe some Indianapolis Indians Clippers coverage out there. He'll have some Fort Wayne captains coverage, Tyler in Columbus, Stacy in Columbus. And then I'll figure out something for Akron, but uh, I'll have them on the from time to time when they're available. Uh, I also plan to have a lot of guests, uh, whether that be, you know, coaches or people from the organization uh, broadcasters from each affiliate, players hopefully you know we had a lot of play interviews over at um lockdown guardians i'll i'll continue to move those over here i'll probably use some audio um interviews from games i'm covering i'm still going to cover minor league games on next year in cleveland.substack.com i'm still going to get out to games and do a lot of familiar writing that i did over at guardians baseball insider so um i'll probably use some audio for that over here as well um so there'll be a number of things, you know, we're going to do. It won't always just be me. Some weeks it might just be me, but I have, a, I have plans for a lot of other guests and contributors to join me. So it's going to be interesting. We'll uh, we'll see how things unfurl and develop. I can't promise it's going to be a weekly thing. We'll see how my energy levels are feeling and uh, how much I can, can do. Um, it'll it'll really be as, a, as there's things to talk about. 
Um, there's always stuff to talk about. I can talk about minor league baseball for all forever, obviously, and the Guardians farm system. So um, just with hosting two podcasts is, is quite a lot, especially when this isn't my full-time job. But um, the Guardians baseball, Guardians of the Future podcast will continue, uh, as you can hear right now. So that's kind of where things are at um, in terms of housekeeping things and, and why this channel feed has been silent and other things you may have noticed that haven't been around. But uh, I do have a couple things we want to talk about uh, today on the podcast, though, not just uh, the housekeeping stuff. So at first, we'll get to some questions. I did throw a little last minute um, tweet out there to find some questions. Also, if you're not on Twitter, the great thing about the Substack is you can subscribe just on email. And you can get it sent straight to your email, uh, which I really like considering the fact that Twitter is you know whatever it is these days. Um, so you can sign up through email. You don't get to be on Twitter. So if you're a podcast listener, doesn't go on Twitter often and likes my writing or anything else, um, or likes the, the coverage of minor league guardians, minor league system, you can just get it right to your email and not have to mess with social media, which is always a good thing. And, uh, email has been going strong for what, uh, 25 plus years. So I think that's, that's safe to say it's, it's here to stay. So, uh, let's get to some of the questions at the top of the podcast. And then I'll get into some other stuff later on. Uh, that I'm working on and things I'm thinking about is the uh, 2023 season is uh, at least spring training is getting close finally. So uh, first question was from Jim Plushinger uh, data reference desk. That's an interesting handle. I kind of like that. Um, Big X factors, the 2022 draft picks. Did any of them play at all? So none of the 20, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say none. There were a few 2022 draft picks that did um, get out to affiliates. Um, Let's see who got out to affiliates in the last year. Um, Joe Lampy got like, I don't know, two at bats in, in Lynchburg last year. Uh, if that, he played like a game. I think I remember um, Zach Jacobs. I'm sorry. Not Zach Jacobs. Um, Adam Tulloch, Arizona state, the guardians 15th round pick last year. He pitched a couple of innings in the Arizona league. Uh, they didn't go great, uh, but you know, first time out there in quite some time. Uh, Lampy, by the way, was the guardians third round pick. That is a, it as far as I can see that have been out there that played there might have um, I think Zach Jacobs might have thrown an inning at UC River from you uh, the 18th round pick I want to say he might have thrown an inning I'd have to go check but that's, that's my best guess is those guys anyway so we had um Tanner by beyond the Lockdown Guardians podcast a few weeks ago you can check that out at Lockdown Guardians um and we asked them that you know none of the none of the 2022 draft picks played this year, except for, you know, a cup of coffee for a couple of guys. And Bybee didn't either himself after he was drafted in 2021. We kind of asked about that. And basically he said the organization's philosophy is to just get guys feet wet, you know, in, in pro setting. It's a lot of, it's just onboarding. Honestly, he said a lot of it's just, you know, plans for them, what they need to do to be a, major, a successful major league player. Um, just what, you know, working on strength, programs other things like that just a lot of it is just what they expect from them and, and trying to get them working out and getting used to game reps because the big thing about some of these pricks is um you know you got guys who are playing in the college you know if they make it to the college world series number one they're playing into june uh and then they're not playing now that the draft has been in july you have a guy these guys are you know out for a month um and some of them are playing deep in the season. So maybe they've had a long season. You know, Dylan DeLucia, for example, was the guardians, um, a six round pick last year. He pitched pretty deep into the postseason, pitched a lot of innings last year. So Cleveland didn't have him pitch. You know, he was, 
um, offer, you know, he pitched a, a long season and then he had a month off. So, you know, you don't want those guys to restart and hurt themselves. That's one element to it. And then the other element is just uh, guys who had seasons like Chase DeLauder, for example. Chase DeLauder, you know, he was still recovering from the foot injury. And then he was still, you know, even then his season ended like in March or April or whatever it was. Um, to have him ramp back up and play again in July just for the um, Arizona Summer League to be ending because it doesn't go that long, you know, whatever it was. Didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um so that's kind of the, the route they're going is they're just getting guys prepared. Other teams don't do that that way. So, you know, and I, and I've talked to uh, guardians front office members before the uh, director of player development, you know, and he said the same thing, you know, we don't know if our, our way is the best way. It's the way we think we're, we're doing the best by our players, their players. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, Tanner Bybee didn't pitch at all in 2021 after the guardians drafted him and look what he did last year. Same with Gavin Williams. They went out to like instructs, which is, you know, more informal kind of thing where there's not real games and stats collected, but um, those guys hit the ground running last year, did a great job and didn't affect him. So we'll see. Um, so only a couple of them played as far as we know, and uh, games that counted. We know a lot of them were in instructs and a lot of them are already um, in Arizona. I know, we talked to Tanner. He was already in Arizona too. So we'll see. Next question was from Ed Ed core on Twitter. Where is chase the lauder expected to play? I would think the is going to be at Lake County. I'm excited for that Lake County roster. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I've been working on the depth charts again. Uh, you can find the rosters. Um, there's a rosters tab at next year in Cleveland. Again, next year in Cleveland.substack.com. Uh, there is a rosters tab that takes you to all of Arthur Kinney's roster tracking. Um, stuff and i i have been doing the depth charts over there and just kind of look at the depth charts lake county is going to be interesting um should have chased the lauder should have guys like parker messick and justin campbell all from this draft class i think jack left which might come back from last year he was hurt at the end of the year but he's good to go now you should have ryan webb who was recovering from tommy john he'll be back he'll be at he should be at lake county pitched a bunch of innings in lynchburg when he came back and he was good uh hunter stanley might start there I think he was uh, he was a 20, 21 pick, and he uh, had a fantastic Arizona Fall League showing. Honestly, he um, was hurt most of the year, and Cleveland got into the Arizona Fall League to throw some innings just because he needed innings. And, man, he was pretty good in the AFL. So uh, reliever to watch in Lake County. But, yeah, Chase DeLauder should start there. I think Ethan Hankins, if he's 100% ready to go out of the gate, I know he hasn't pitched in forever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start in Lake County and move to Akron, but he could start in, in Akron. I'm not sure. Other guys that could be in Lake County, you have Isaiah Green, probably, uh, Joe Lampy, um, Tyrese Turner, Angel Zarate, all from the, the 2022 draft class. I would think that Josh Wolf makes it up there from the Francisco Lindor trade. Uh, Will Dion and Rodney Boone, who finished their seasons in 2022 at that level. Trenton Denholm, who had kind of an up-and-down year but showed a lot of promise. He should be in Lake County, so should be a fun roster. I, I, I This is not guaranteed by any means, but just the guys I'm looking at, I think that have a chance to be there. So chase the water. I would expect him to be in Lake County. Um, I could see them starting off in low eight Lynchburg, but he's such a good hitter. And I don't know. I just think that um, where he is at skill set wise, I think it would benefit him to be in high A to start the season. He's, he's still young. So it wouldn't stun me if he's in, in, in Lynchburg to start the year. I mean, looking at the Lynchburg roster that I have, I'm look, I've been thinking about, uh, the outfield is pretty empty. You know, I think uh, Wilfredo Antunez, who's an interesting guy, might be in, in Lynchburg. 
Luis Rango Jr. might be back there. Uh, Press Kavanaugh from this draft class. Guy Lipscomb from the draft class. Those guys are all going to probably be in Lynchburg. So there might be room for Chase Delauder there. But at some point this year, he should be in Lake County in Ohio. So we have a chance to see him, if not starting there. So let's hope anyway. And the last question I've got for right now, if any pop up while I'm recording, I'll answer those two. But I'll just get these out of the way now from uh, Clay Cash Dollar at Clay underscore Cash Dollar on Twitter. Do you think Bybee can crack the big leagues this season? Well, Talent-wise, yes. Talent-wise, I look, I was ready to have Tanner Bybee start one of those games in September last year against the Twins that they needed a starter for. Uh, I thought he could have done it. It would have been aggressive. I don't know how they would have made the 40-man work. And I don't even know how they make the 40-man work this year. That's why I'm going to say no. Um, I think talent-wise, he is ready to pitch this year. Um, you know, it really depends on how they how the 40-man roster shakes out. You know, Are they going to have Savali? Are they going to have Plesek? Uh, is Cody Morris a starter? They've already got Pilkington and Curry and Gaddis on the 40, and they've got to add Espino and Logan Allen this offseason, and Bybee's got a while to go. So it depends on how they massage the 40-man roster. It's such an issue. Um, but talent-wise, he's ready. I think he probably starts the year at Akron only because of the backfill in Columbus. We'll see what they do. Um, you know, Pilkington, Curry, Gaddis, Battenfield, Logan Allen are all AAA starters. They signed... Um, uh, Tuki Toussaint. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Tuki Toussaint's an interesting player. I've liked him for a while. I know he's not a prospect. We're going to try to keep this mostly prospect only because I do a lot of major league stuff for Guardians and Guardians of the uh, Lockdown Guardians. So we'll try to keep this minor league focus. You will hear some minor league thoughts over there, obviously, but um, I'll try to keep my opinions on the major league team limited over here. But um, the AAA rotation is stacked so i wouldn't be surprised if and and honestly joey cantilla being on the 40-man roster he should be in columbus to start the year so i don't know how things are going to look at all but um yeah i think bybee talent wise there's no doubt he could be in the majors this year but uh it depends on the 40-man roster but um i will not be surprised if he pitches in the major leagues i think he's definitely good enough uh this season so one of the other things I'm also working on too, that'll be up on uh, by the time you're listening to this, probably on Monday, the January 9th is a, uh, a piece on next year in Cleveland, which is going to be looking back at the 2022 prospects that graduated, uh, exhausted their prospect eligibility. I do this every year. I wrote it on guardians baseball insider, basically taking a look back at the scouting reports I, I had on some of these guys from uh, our rankings in the previous year. And the guys that uh, exhausted their rookie, their prospect eligibility in the majors, um, kind of look at what we know about them in the majors in 2022 or what we know about them last year and then compare that to what we wrote about them as prospects. And uh, the first one's going to be Stephen Kwan. I'll give us the end podcast form. Uh, you can read it, though, and all my thoughts if you want over there. Like I said, I'll include the link in the show description. Um, Stephen Kwan was ranked number 10 last year in our prospect rankings. And by the way, those are coming out again. Willie Hood and I did collaborate on a prospect rankings for the Guardians in 2023. We'll have scouting reports and everything over at Next Year in Cleveland and rankings and all that. So um, that'll be dropping soon. I want to get some of these pieces out, though, before we start to do the rankings. So uh, look for those in the coming weeks. But Stephen Kwan is the one going tomorrow. We had him ranked 10th uh, last year, and we had him graded as a 50 overall prospect. We basically is an uh, everyday uh, starter in the majors average. It's the 2080 scouting scale where 80 is, you know, Mike Trout, you know, whatever. And uh, 50 is like, you know, basically an average player, the guy who can start on almost every team and and it's not really an all-star, but is a very good player. And that's, that was essentially what we thought about Stephen Kwan. 
Um, some of the things I just looked through though were interesting. Like I had a a 70 grade on his ability to hit, and that was mostly based on his contact and his approach. And I kind of looked back and he had a nine percent whiff rate last year and a ninety-one point nine percent contact rate. So clearly we I think that we got that right. Everybody got that right that he made a lot of contact, doesn't swing and miss a lot. Um, that was pretty good. And the average contact rate, by the way, last year for a major league hitter was 76.6. So Quan far and above, uh, no surprise there though. Right. So a lot of people will give out, you know, their grades for the guy's ability to hit based on contact alone. I don't think that's accurate because, and, and I'm not saying I, I, I do it better than anybody else. Obviously I do this as an amateur for fun. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who do this for either teams or they do them for other outlets that pay them full time to do it. So, um, I'm sure their way probably is better, but I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. Just the ability to make contact to me is not enough to push a hit tool into elite range. Like Ernie Clement is a guy who makes a ton of contact, but, um, I don't know if that necessarily means he can hit right. Like Ernie Clement's not a, not a good major league hitter. He's a good, he's a, a nice major league bench player at the moment. Um, but he's not really a guy who is going to hit for high averages or too much, but you know, some outlets had him with a, like a 70 grade on his ability to hit. And I don't think that's accurate because that's just based on contact alone. And that's what I tried to avoid doing with Steven Kwan because he doesn't produce great like exit velocities. And I think, impacting the baseball is is goes into this you can't just be a guy who makes a lot of contact because i think one of the things we learned about the 2022 cleveland guardians is that yeah they led baseball in contact rate but they were last in hard hit rate and that tends to make your average on balls and play lower and, and overall just lowers your ability to impact the baseball with a lot of singles so obviously that was one of the reasons they signed josh bell that's one of the reasons i think that mike zanino also is an interesting signing because he hits the ball hard a lot of power even though he doesn't make a lot of contact but you know, balancing those sort of things. But um, one of the things I also have noticed, okay, so here's the one thing. Quan's expected weighted on base average. So uh, that determined, that takes into account, um, basically it weights home runs, triples, doubles, and singles. So it, it adds a, a, a weight to each of those things. And obviously the weights get um, higher placed on home runs, triples, and doubles, and they do singles. You know, as you go up, they get higher weighted weights placed on them because they're more valuable as you go up. Uh, Quan's expected weighted on base average based on contact um, was 298, which, you know, isn't great. So that basically grades his ability to, to how much, how hard the contact he's making and, and overall um, extra base contact basically was not good. Um, but the one thing I've seen too is that I, and this is not a publicly available stat, unfortunately, but it looks like, people I see on Twitter who post a lot about um, stats and metrics that aren't publicly available. People do have access is that a stat, uh, the 90th percentile exit velocity, which means is like the, you know, you can kind of look at it the same way you look at StatCast, where the average exit velocity, what's the guy's 90th percentile exit velocity, like goes basically based on those percentiles, like 50th, like hundred percent exit velocity, all that kind of stuff. So, what is almost the highest outcome of his velocities? Uh, the nine out of 10, what is he, what is his kind of his peak and his peak in the minors in 2021, which I was able to get was 98.4. Um, if you want to compare this, Aaron judges average exit velocity last year in the majors was 95.9. 
So Stephen Kwan's 90th percentile exit velocity was, was higher than Aaron Judge's average last year. But again, that was Aaron Judge at the majors, and this is Stephen Kwan in the minors. So obviously that's going to be knocked down a little bit. But um, what that says is that when Kwan is able to make contact at, at higher velocities, it's impactful. Like you, if you get a guy whose 90th percentile exit velocity is like in the 80s or low 90s, you know, probably not great. Not, not, not a guy who's going to hit the ball hard a lot and when he does – the best he's going to do is, is pretty below average. So the best Stephen Kwan can do is pretty good. Um, it's just a matter of how often he can get there, but they know Cleveland knows it's in there. And a lot of that has been done through like weighted bat training and things like that. So um, his ability to impact the baseball, you know, hasn't really been in the elite range and, and it's not expected to be obviously, but um, and I think the other thing that goes into the ability to hit is approach too, because you can't hit what you can't pick up and what you can't, uh, what you swing through. Right. So you got to be able to discern balls from strikes. You got to be able to pick up spin. If it's just hitting fastballs, you're not going to go very far. So approach go, you know, picking up spin and, and laying off stuff you can't hit goes into the, a player's ability to hit. So I like to factor in approach and uh, ability to impact the baseball when I grade, you know, someone's ability to hit. So not just their ability to make contacts. So this is why Stephen Kwan was an interesting player to look at when I did this experiment. And um, I had him with a 70 uh, grade and his ability to hit. I kept it at a 70 just because I think he's still going to run high averages, which is, you know, good. He's still going to run a high on base percentage because of his ability to walk and not swing at balls. So, I left it at a seven just because I think the approach is good. The approach probably lifts it. Maybe we did make a separate grade for that one year on guardians baseball insider where we did stuff there um, one year, but I think that was too much to grade approach alone. So I wrapped this into the ability to hit and I kept it at a 70. Um, Steven Kwan's power. I had it at a 40 before last season. I kept it at a 40 after looking back um, good power numbers on the inner, inner corners of the plate. Um, everything else, you know, pretty weak. So he has pull side power when there's a pitch on the inside part of the plate, he may get to more of that, but essentially like he has a 40 grade power is about um, eight to 10 homers and 45 grade power is more like 12 to 15. So there's not a lot of variance there. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if Steven Kwan some years gets 12 to 15, but I think generally throughout his career, he's more likely to be a eight to 12 home run guy or eight to 10. So that puts him at a 40. That was pretty easy to see. Um, speed is one grade I did change. I left the power to 40 speed was one grade. I did change, um, based on some. So if you, if you watch minor league baseball TV at all, it's pretty bad. Um, not, I mean, some of them are good, but you, oftentimes you don't get angles where you're seeing a guy run on a ball to first base on a line. You see maybe him rounding the bases on an extra base hit or, um, uh, just after he's crossed the bag. So it's hard to get good times on, on, um, home to first, which is generally where speed is graded is home to first times, even though that may not be a great picture or you got to watch guys run the bases and see if they're, you know, a better runner under, under, underway and stuff like that. But um, I don't remember what I, I don't really have any good grades on him from 2021. So I had him at a 55 and now a lot of that was based on um, the fact that, you know, he did have decent home to first times, but he had some issues with hamstring, his hamstring that kept him out in 2021 and his stolen base success rate was low. So he was 11 of 18 in 2019, which isn't good. And then he was just six of eight in 2021, which also not good, uh, which was a good percentage, but he didn't run a lot. And a lot of that was due to him being hurt. And also 
um, just being out for a while. So I had it at 55, but um, I saw some good run times on him watching video from this year. And um, the stat cast state, I had him in the, let's see, where was he? The sprint speed for Stephen Kwan was 78th percentile, which is, you know, in the upper third. So that's good. Um, so I, I bumped that from a 55 to a 60 on his run. So I think that's pretty good defense. I had him at a 55 as a left fielder. You know, I thought generally the deviation is okay. What if, if, if a guy is a 55 defender in left, which is again, above average, uh, you could probably safely say he's average in center field. It probably just goes down one deviation grade, but you know, Quan did win a gold glove for what that's worth. And all the metrics backed up that he was good. 12 outs above average and left uh, negative two and right, even zero and center and center. 21 defensive runs saved in left field, negative two in center, negative four in right. Uh, made a lot of spectacular catches, obviously. Um, I'd say he's a 60 defender in left. I'd probably still say a 50 defender in center, and I'm okay not knocking it down two grades. Um, but yeah, it's one grade I moved up. Throwing arm, he did have um, seven assists in left field last year and one in right field. Eight overall. A lot of the metrics had him as a pretty below average thrower from the outfield. Uh, I shouldn't say below average, just slightly above average. 54th percent percentile on stack cast and um, arm strength. And uh, Fangraph's outfield arm runs above average had him negative three. So they kind of marked him as a, as a below average guy uh, with throw. I put him at a 50 in left field. Um, I think he could get it to a 55. A 50 arm in left field is playable. No doubt. It can play in left field. Uh, he threw some runners out last year. If you have a decent arm for left field, you can still be an impactful thrower. It just gets less and less impactful when you do it in center and right. I think, you know, grades for each. each. If you have a 60 overall arm, it's going to play anywhere. Uh, 55, maybe not so much. 50, obviously, is more left field. But having a 50 arm in right field is more of a detriment, even though it's average. But I also think an average arm for right field is a different scale as well. So um, I think 50 is still right for left field. I think he could be passable in center field with his arm and it could be better if he strengthens it a little bit. I, don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it out that Stephen Kwan's arm gets better as he goes on. You know, he could strengthen it as he did with, you know, weighted bat training for, for his power a little bit. Um, but overall, I think I kept it, I kept it at a 50. So uh, our overall evaluation last year at, at GBI was a uh, 50 grade prospect on Quan. As I said, I bumped up to a 55, which is above average. Um, one of the um, things I use for, you know, war evaluation is like, I think uh, anywhere from three to f- from two to three is a, is a 50, 50 player at war wise. And then like three to five is 55 and 55 is generally like above average. And sometimes you can make an all-star team being a 55, although if you don't hit for power the way Quan doesn't and you play the outfield, which is so crowded in terms of all-star candidates, it's going to be hard for him to crack an all-star team. He could. Uh, it would be. It would have to be a, probably a player selection or a replacement, but um, I still put him 55. I bumped him up from 50, 55 just because I think that the, the speed and the fielding went up a little bit, and he's an impactful player. I could see him uh, having a bunch of three to five win seasons by war um, most years, you know, 10 homers, 20 steals, an average around 300 every year, I think is, is reasonable to 90 on a bad year. But uh, yeah, so that's just an example of some of the things I've been writing and I like to do before the prospect list drops. 
I still have to write an article on Oscar Gonzalez because uh, he exhausted his rookie eligibility and that's going to be an interesting one to write. My original plan was to write all these as one column and just kind of take a look. But as I look back, I, I uh, started getting deep into the weeds on Quan, and I was like, all right, this just, just happened by one. I might do Pilkington and McCarty as one. Uh, here, here's the other guy. So from our 20, for my 2022 rankings, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Quan, Connor Pilkington, Kirk McCarty, Richie Palacios all graduated uh, and exhausted their rookie eligibility. Other guys we had ranked that have moved on. Obviously, Alex Call is gone uh, with the Nationals. I'm not going to do a write-up on that. Let's see. Did anybody else exhaust eligibility or is out of the organization? Jose Fermin, minor league free agent, signed with the Cardinals. He's gone. Um, yeah, Will Brennan has not has not exhausted his yet. Um, we had Victor Nova, 60th last year. He's out of the organization. He's been released. Um, everybody else is still in the system that we had ranked at the start of last year or, um, well, that's not true. Carlos Vargas was ranked 27 starting last season. Uh, obviously he's in Arizona. We had Tobias Myers ranked 26 last year and he is out of the organization. Boy, was that a miss? Ouch. Um, okay. So those two guys are gone. Yeah. So a lot of, not too many guys off the list from last year, but, uh, I'll have more articles on the guys that graduated. Uh, in the coming days, I'll probably review on the podcast at some point um, as well. A lot of things to get excited about this year. You know, I'm, I'm excited about the to finally see Chase DeLauder play. I'm excited for the return of Daniel Espino. Um, excited for the return of Joey Cantillo, who's been hurt, who was hurt at the end of the year. That was a, a, a bummer. Um, also excited to see some of the younger guys, too. I, I want to see Joe Lampy. I'm, I'm super excited for Nate Furman. That's one guy, if you're not familiar with Nate Furman. I think that's going to be a guy we're going to talk a lot about this year, a lot as an offensive prospect. I think he'll, he might have a similar trajectory to um, Stephen Kwan. I feel like he is a very Stephen Kwan like player, a lot of contact, a lot of things they can do with this swing to help him out or Will Brennan. Even he might be a second, an infield version of Will Brennan or Stephen Kwan. Um, at least I'm hoping that's what he can be. I think he can be, uh, we'll see, you know, all the, all the 2022 draft picks. I'm excited to see, um, I want to see how Logan Allen rebounds from the triple a failures that he had. I shouldn't say failures, the struggles he had. Uh, I believe a lot in Logan Allen. I think he'll come back stronger next season. I'm excited to see how Mike Caprice follows up on his 2022. What I think is a breakout season. I want to see what he can do. Um, try to think who else is going to triple a. I want to see if Peyton Batfield can bounce back from kind of a down year. Same with Nick Mikolajek. Uh, I'm excited to see what Tim Heron can do. Now he's on the 40 man roster. See if he can um, take it to the next level and make the major league roster at some point this year, the bullpen's crowded. It's going to be tough, uh, especially if they decide that Tuki Toussaint is a guy that can be a bullpen thing. I'll, I'll be curious to see how that goes um, up and down. Just kind of looking at the roster here. Going to be interesting to see which pitchers can make the majors this year between, obviously, the big three, if they're all here. Cantillo, I'm excited to see what Cody Morris can do. I hope Cody Morris is healthy for a full season. Uh, excited about that. Um, Petey Halpin should start the year in A. everyone's favorite prospect. Super excited to see what he does in A. I think he's primed for a breakout this season. Uh, could be tough in the early going for him. He's going to be young if he plays in A, which I think he will. Uh, it could be tough in the early months being cold and, and it's a high level. It could be tough for him, but he got better as the 2021 season get on, get one on. So I think, uh, the early part of 2023 could be tough for him, but 
I expect him to have a good season and, and, and improve as the season goes on, but I think it could be a big year for him. Uh, Angel Martinez, I think, will probably start at Akron, and I'm excited to see how he follows up a breakout year last year. I Spoiler alert for my prospect rankings, I actually have Angel Martinez ranked ahead of Brian Rocchio, and I will get into that in the future, why I have that, and, and through writing and through podcast uh, form. I would like to see some of these, one of these catchers, someone in, in the lower minors um, break out as far as catchers. There's a lot of catchers um, internationally that Cleveland has really gone towards this international grouping of catchers. I'm not sure why they haven't drafted any. They just didn't like any, but um, they did grab Michael Berglund in the rule five draft in the minor league portion. I'm curious to see what he can do. If he can be a future backup guy. Um, but I'd like to see someone like, um, Manuel Mejias or Robert Lopez or Victor Torres or Emilio Tavares. One of these guys kind of step up and show some promise as, as catchers, as far as catchers go, uh, because behind Bo Naylor, it is rough. You know, Brian Lavastina, that's another storyline for this year. Need to see how he rebounds from a tough season last year. But other than that, catching, it's, it's pretty bare in the system. It's pretty bad. And then, uh, oh, Jason Churio, that should be a fun storyline to follow this year. He should make his stateside debut. In Arizona, obviously he won't play until I have a hard time thinking he's going to be in, in low A to start the season at his age, considering how conservative the Guardians are. I would imagine he'll start and extend his spring training and you might see him play whenever the Arizona Summer League opens up and maybe he'll bump his way to um, Lynchburg at some point. I mean, Petey Halpin, kind of odd, Petey Halpin in 2021, he was a 2020 draft pick, but in 2021, um, he was in extended spring training with the guardians. And then just as the Arizona summer league was good, the rookie league was complex league was going to open up. Um, they promoted him to Lynchburg. So instead of playing a game out in the Arizona rookie league in the complexes, he got bumped to Lynchburg. So he never played a game down there officially, just a lot of um, practice games or, you know, summer league or uh, spring training games, whatever they do down there with their weird rules. Um, maybe the same thing for Churio. Maybe Churio spends, you know, February, March, April, and May down there. And when that league starts to open up, they um, they bump him to Lynchburg at some point. That'd be exciting if he does that. That means that would mean good things. Um, trying to think what guys will probably debut in the Dominican this year. Um, probably all guys from last year's um, classes. Yeah, you know, Yankee John Baptiste might move up. I don't know. That's getting into the weeds. We'll get into all that in the future. But anyway, um, Guardians of the Future podcast kind of back. I don't know if I'll do these regularly until the season starts. Um, this is just kind of a check-in and kind of let everybody know what's going on. I uh, appreciate everybody's patience. Anybody who listens, I know there's not a lot to talk about. I tried to find something to talk about there. Um that was kind of what I had planned, but I really wanted to just update everybody on the on the podcast and I wanted to update everybody on all things related to to whatever content i've been working on like so i said uh, guardians baseball insider no more unfortunately appreciate every support of that site over the years tony um everybody who was a subscriber uh, a reader supporter or follower whatever you want to want to say uh really appreciate that over the years and all the guys i worked with and, and ladies everybody i worked with there um <clears throat> so I, ho I hope you'll follow us over at next year in cleveland uh, on Twitter, that's uh, at next year in CLE, which was actually my Twitter handle when I started, when I first signed up for Twitter, that was my original Twitter handle. 
Um, and I had a, a buddy in college who I worked at the radio station with at the University of Akron, WZIP. He's like, man, you got to change your Twitter handle. That's just not professional, man. It's got to be something better. So I changed it to jail underscore baseball. Um, but luckily, nobody took my Twitter handle, so that was good. So I'm putting all the writing there now, and I think it's a good fit for talking about prospects. You know, next year in Cleveland, hopefully we see a lot of prospects. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we'll have 17 prospect debuts in 2022 or 2023. I would take the under on that again. I'll, I'll put a number on that at some point uh, coming into the season. But, um, yeah, I hope you can follow all the work there. I hope you continue to listen to the podcast. Like I said, uh, if any prospect news happens, if there's any trades, if there's anything new newsworthy we, that happens, um, I'll jump on and I'll do a podcast. I'll try to find someone to do it with me. If not, it'll just listen to my voice and uh, hopefully you like that. But when the season starts, like I said, we'll have um, some of the team broadcasters. We'll hopefully have some players, maybe some coaches. We'll definitely have some interviews. I'll play for my coverage of games on here. Um, we'll do a bunch of things. We'll have some check-ins with our writers who – with uh, people who are going to contribute it next year in Cleveland. Um, so we'll figure it out uh, as we go, but uh, checking out for now and yeah, follow on Twitter at next year in CLE. If you're not on Twitter, go to next year. I'll, again, I'll put the link in the, the show description for the website. If you want to sign up through an email only, um, you don't have to go on social media. If you're not that, if you're not a social media person and uh, yeah, just uh well, I'll jump back on here and we'll see how the podcast goes as news breaks and uh, we'll do stuff during the regular season for sure. But in the meantime, yeah, if you, if you're if you on Twitter, follow on Twitter, that's where you can get most of the information and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you again real soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>